Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of, and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. Well, welcome to Renaissance. My name is Jeff, and I am one of the leaders here. And I want to welcome you to our third week of a four-week Christmas series that we've just titled, What's This World Coming To? And we did so in our hope to just point um, our attention upon the birth of Jesus Christ this Christmas season, because that's really what Christmas is about. Yes, we all know that. But rather than say, you know, what's this world coming to? We might look to the birth of Jesus and rather say, um, but look what's come into the world. Because in the midst of all of the struggles that we have in this world, God has in fact given us uh, a promise in Jesus to change our situation. Week number one, we talked about how God... Um, encounters us in our most frightful moments in our life, that in the midst of uh, turmoil, strife, terror even in our lives, God gives us an opportunity to have a, uh, a trust in him that he will intervene on our behalf, that he will uh, allow us to not run from our life in fear or not try to fix our lives in fear. Because how many people know when you try to fix something, you, you sometimes make it even worse? Yes? Just me, I know, I know. But, but sometimes we feel like when we're trying to fix something, we actually make it worse. But God gave us a promise that he would come and, and handle those things for us. And his promise was Emmanuel, which means God with us. So week one, we talked about that, that God would want to be with us in the midst of all of our uh, frightening moments of our life. And then last week, we talked about this idea of God being our peace. In fact, the prophet Isaiah speaks of Jesus, the one that we're celebrating his birth, that he would be the prince of peace in our life. And we, we talked candidly last week that sometimes we don't have peace in our lives is because we're looking for the wrong peace. We're looking for a peace that's defined by the world, not the peace that is defined by scripture that invokes um, not so much uh, the, the release of external circumstances of pain and punishment and persecution and, and all of those things, but the peace of God is actually a, a seated inside of us. It's an internal thing, truly by the spirit of God himself, that, that Jesus gives to us so we have a peace in this Christmas season even even when our circumstances don't seem to show a lot of peace everybody done with their Christmas decorating yet is there anyone left besides me that's a thing I'm still waiting to get my Christmas decorations up do not judge me I'm busy I'm just saying right so I feel a little stressed out by all of that so I just pause to consider not what's this world coming to why can't I get my Christmas decorations up but I just paused to go, man, 
Jesus has come into this world. Let's just pause and, and think about that. So I want to continue our Christmas series this week and, and pick up in uh, the Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. This is uh, after Jesus had been born. So there's that moment where he's in the manger, right, that whole thing. And then there's um, an exchange that takes place, a story that, that I want to uh, jump into and, and lead us to this third thing that I think God would want us to understand. So let's pick up in Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 8, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's a hardback black Bible underneath the seat around you. And in that Bible, you can turn to page, I think it's 857, 857. Otherwise, we'll put the words on the screen and you can follow along there. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And it says, in the same region, so the same region where Jesus was born, right? There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Well, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. Okay, you will go and find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel, angel a multitude of heavenly hosts pra praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them, the shepherds back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go over to Bethlehem and, to, and see this thing that had happened, which the Lord had made known to us. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary... Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds then returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, speaking of the baby, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived, conceived rather, in the womb. So I want to pray for us, and I want to put a little tension onto that phrase that the angel brings before the, the shepherds that says, um, I bring you good news of great joy. Great joy might be the thing that we could look at this Christmas season, right? Look what's come into the world. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, great joy has come. So let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your son, Jesus, that he uh, was actually born in um, Bethlehem and placed in a manger and that you declared this before heaven itself and on the earth through the angels and uh, we thank you for that we too read this story in Luke and we are moved by great joy for the reality that Jesus has come to us Jesus thank you that you would give us your Holy Spirit to be with us and to help us and we ask this Holy Spirit Holy Spirit please come Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears that we may receive everything that you have for us. We thank you, God, and everything you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. This phrase, 
I bring you good news of great joy. The phrase good news is an, uh, where we get the idea or the word gospel. Has anyone ever heard of the, the gospel of Jesus? And sometimes we'll use the, the gospel of Jesus or the good news of Jesus sort of interchangeably. It's kind of the same thing. We talk about the gospel of Jesus or the good news of Jesus, and this angel comes to the shepherd and says, I bring this message, this good news, this gospel of Jesus to you. Now, in, in the church, we call the bringing of good news or the gospeling. <laughs> this sounds real, real churchy, so forgive me for that. But we, we call that the bringing of that good news of Jesus evangelizing. We, we, when we talk about going into other parts of the world and telling people about the truth and the love of Jesus, that's evangelism, so to speak. And I find this interesting, that this is the very first time that the, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, has been preached on the earth. From back in the day, the prophets promised one day a Savior would come. One day a Messiah would come and mediate peace between God and his people. God himself promised it in Genesis chapter 3. But Jesus has now been born, and the very first preach on the earth is by an angel to a group of shepherds. This gospel message is a message that we repeat ad nauseum, if that's even the right way to say that. <laughs> but we continue to preach the message of Jesus to everyone. This might have been the first time it was ever preached, but it wasn't the last. In fact, I get opportunities every week to share this truth about Jesus. Every week I share this, not just from the stage. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking in the gallery to someone between services, and he was sh sharing just how much um, having a community like Renaissance means to him, that it means a lot that he can come and feel comfortable here and whatever. And he's telling me this stuff. It's really heartfelt. And in his eyes, I could tell that something was deeply bothering him. And then he just confided in me that, Jeff, I'm really struggling with a lot of things. And, and dude, I'm telling you, he's here every week. Like to you, for you to look at him, you'd go, oh, that dude's fine. Look how great he is. He's at church every week. But on the inside, something was deeply um, upsetting him. And, and literally, in the few minutes that I had between services, I just looked him in the eyes and says, dude, Jesus has come to help you. Gee, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus in the midst of preaching the gospel of Jesus. Do you hear this? It, it's, a, it's a common thing that we do. People devote their lives to this. We call them missionaries. They go around the world. I have friends that are preaching the message of Jesus in Russia right now, left everything they knew to be home and everything, moved their entire family to Russia. I have other friends that are in China doing that. Did you read what happened in China the last few weeks? As 100 Christians and pastors were arrested as the government clamps down on the Christian faith. They put their own lives in peril to share this story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And we do that every week. If you've come to Renaissance long, you'll know that we say this a lot. It is because of Jesus that this church exists. It is because of Jesus that we do all the things that we do. We have no desire to take any fame or to receive any accolades for what we've done. This is all for Jesus. And this message is continually repeated time and time and time again. Long after we are gone, this message will be continued to be told time and time again. This good news of great joy is a huge, momentous event that took place in history. Our calendar is separated by this event. We tell time differently because of this event. There is the years uh, B.C., before Christ, and the years 80, the year of our Lord, Anno Domini. 
This event is huge. This person who was born, this Jesus, more books have been written about him than any other person in history. More songs written about him and sung to him than any other person in history. Jesus is a big deal, yes? Yes. Huh? yes. <laughs> it's not a trick question. <laughs> and an angel comes to some shepherds and declares this before them. I have brought you good news of great joy and begins to preach this Jesus to them. I find it interesting that the first preach was to shepherds. Maybe some of you have thought of this before, but um, let's just go through it together then. Maybe, maybe Jesus, um, the, the heralding of his birth should have went to the, the temple first where the religious elite were. Right, where the priests and all of those who practice the ceremony of, of uh, godly worship, etc., where the, where the temple is and where, where the sacrifices take place and where the priests live and operate. You think that the heralding of Jesus' birth would have taken place first at the temple where the religious leaders were, but it didn't happen there. Strange. And it didn't happen in the, in the palace where the kings rule and the, the authorities rule, the people who govern the nations rule. It didn't happen there. It happened in this nondescript hillside to some nondescript people that we know to be shepherds. Just so you know, shepherds aren't like the shepherds back in the day in the Old Testament, the days of the patriarchs where fathers would be shepherds and their sons would become shepherds and their sons would become shepherds. And it was sort of a, a noble profession. By the time Jesus is born, shepherds are truly looked down upon. I, I don't know if they've sort of... in. Um, if. <laughs> I didn't plan on saying this, but let me just say it because it popped in my head. So if you remember, there was a time when God's people were, were enslaved in Egypt. Do you remember what we learned about how the Egyptians viewed the Israelites? They viewed them as shepherds and they despised them. It's almost as if the Israelites have taken on the ways of the Egyptians, the, those who follow pagan gods, and now are despising shepherds who God really called them to be like. These shepherds are outcasts in society. They're unshaven for sure. Amen to the beard. Let's go. They are probably smelly from sleeping in the, in the, the places where the sheep and the, the, and the goats are. They don't take a break for the religious ceremony that everybody else does. They probably don't have Sabbath often. They're not allowed to testify in a court of law because they're untrustworthy. Rabbinical law forbid anyone to buy sheep skins or milk from shepherds because you would just assume that it had been stolen from someone else. Shepherds were <laughs> they're the people you don't want showing up for your Christmas party, I'm just saying. And after Jesus was born, heaven opened and an angel came to earth and preached the first message of salvation to shepherds. This strikes me as unique. And, and, and there, there's this principle that we use in Bible study. It's called the principle of first mention. It just, it just means this, that oftentimes when God reveals something to us, when he reveals it to us for the first time, we might pay special attention to that because God is truly saying something there. We don't go overboard in this, but we do give it some, some weight. So when we read in, the, the Luke's, in Luke's gospel here that the first preach of the gospel was given to shepherds, to the outcasts, that means something to me. 
It means something. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care about those in the temple. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care about those in the palace. But it does mean this, that the invitation to know Jesus, to experience Jesus, Jesus, to understand Jesus, is given to all of those, even, yes, those of us who have been outcast by other people, who've been considered unworthy of said gospeling, who've been considered to be unworthy of even affection and care from some of the uh, people around us. The message of Jesus is for those people. So these shepherds hear this message. And it says after they hear this message, verse 12, sorry, let me hear the message here. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and there will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And, and after the angel said this, again, suddenly... With the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God showed up. Now, who are these heavenly hosts? If you look down real quick in verse 15, it says when the angels went away, it appears that more angels joined the party here. It appears that just, I, this is how I picture it. I'm a very dramatic guy, but I, I picture heaven just emptied itself of every angelic being, and they all landed on earth, and as soon as the, the first message of Jesus is preached, and the shepherds are going, huh? They have no idea what's happening. Like, heaven just joined in a chorus and said, glory to God. Praise be to him. Peace on earth. I mean, just you know, the shepherds didn't even know how to respond, so God empties heaven so heaven can respond. This event is, is momentous. It's huge. And the glory goes to who? To God. This morning in my office, I'm praying. I'm like, God, how, how do we give you glory in all of this? How do we give you glory in this message? How do we, how do we ascribe glory to you? I just... It's so challenging to preach um, messages like this sometimes because in American culture, we like to make it all about who? Us. Us. And I don't, I don't blame the culture around me. I blame my parents. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> they're in the room right here. I won't point them out, but they're sitting right there. You know, back when I was a kid, my parents would come to me and they would say, here's a piece of paper or here's the Sears catalog. You remember this? And you would circle the things you wanted for Christmas. I'm like, oh, my bad. It is about me, isn't it? So this whole Christmas thing is about me. It, it's funny. And now I don't even wait for people to ask me what I want. I send little hints to people around me. So I blew a hole in my favorite pair of Vans a couple of days ago. And I took a picture of it, sent it to my daughters. And I said, uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, I said, I wear a size 10 and a half, right? Wink, wink, <laughs> you know? I need some new shoes, I'm just saying. But this whole event, Jesus being born, was in fact God's idea. It was God who made a promise and fulfilled the promise, sent his son to the earth. A savior, Christ, the Messiah, the one called to redeem his people back to himself. I mean, this is God's plan. This is what God is doing. All glory goes to him. And yes, it's easy to sort of be self-focused this season, what gifts we might get and, and what people might come to our house and this and that. But if we could just consider that all the glory should, should return to God in this. The angels had no trouble doing that. I think you and I struggle with that sometimes. This morning, I'm praying God strip every desire for any selfish thing that I want 
Take it away from me. I have no desire for anything but to glorify you. And, and if I say those words and they're not true to my lips, if they're not true because you know all things, God, if they're not true, then fix it in me. But if we never start with our desire to give glory to God, as the reformers used to say, the chief end of man is to give glory to God. If we don't start with that, you'll never do it. You don't, you don't accidentally like trip and go, oh, give God some glory. No, it, it's intentional. We intend to give glory to God. We choose today to give glory to God. Do you agree with me? Glory to God in the highest. And when the angels, verse 15, went away from them back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had happened which the Lord has made known to us. Again, angels are just messengers from God. They, God is telling them a story through the angel, and they said, let's go check this thing out. Uh, verse 16, and they went with haste, which doesn't necessarily speak to the speed by which they went, but with the, about the immediacy that they went. That we not, that we not delay our, our seeking of Jesus. When we're told of Jesus, when we hear of Jesus, we don't, we don't delay in going to find him. We, don't, we do what the shepherds did. They, they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger in verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known everything they heard. I want you to think about this word saw or see. They went to go see it, then they saw it. This is different than just going to the zoo and peering in at the giraffes or something. Or the lions. I've never seen a lion at the zoo. Every time I go, they're in their little thing. <laughs> they just put a sign up. This is where the lions live. Never seen one. I have no idea. They tell us they're lions, but I never see them. Anyways, this is more than just going to, like, to the zoo to peer in on something. The, the word here, to see, or when they saw it, 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 it just implies like an understanding. They experienced it. They walked into the room where the, the baby was lying, just as the angel had said, wrapped up in swaddling cloths. And when they, when they saw that, they experienced everything that had taken place, that God is talking to them, that this thing is in fact true. And they, they, um, they understood it completely here in this moment. And it says when they understood it, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. It's so easy for us to just look at the, the words on the page here, just, just black words on, on white paper here, and forget that there are people in this story. There are people like, like wondering what's happening, questioning whether or not they really had an experience with an angel, or maybe it was just some bad burritos at dinner. Maybe it was something else altogether. They're, they're thinking about all of this. And when the shepherds walk in, I want you to picture this. Mary, who's quite possibly 16 years old or so at the time, a teenager, right? And her young husband, we don't know how old Joseph is, Angels burst in. As of everything I've told you about, or shepherds burst in. Of everything I've told you about shepherds, do you think they're feeling comfortable right now? No, they're not. There's a certain amount of fear and they're freaking out. I'm not overreaching in this. I want you to just personify this with me. And the shepherds come in and like, uh, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> There's a young lady there and her husband. And I'm just telling you, if this happened in Texas, Joseph pulls off his pistol right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> Every husband's like, what's going on, son? Shut the door behind you. 
And they, they see the baby, which fulfills the sign that the angel said, you'll find him. It's, it's a baby. He's wrapped up. And, and when they see that, they go, oh, my, this is a thing. And, and they said, I'm, we're sorry to interrupt, but you have to hear this story. We were shepherding. We're watching over our flocks. And out of nowhere, an angel drops, and then a bunch of angels dropped, and we heard them singing or declaring all of this crazy stuff, and they told us we'd find a baby. We just walked over to see if it was true or not. And, oh, my goodness, it's true. This happened. You have to understand, visitations from angels weren't commonplace, right? They're not commonplace even now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes and they're like there's an angel it came it sounds so crazy and and mary and joseph are sitting back just listening to this and when they finished you can almost hear mary say you think that's weird <laughs> i'm a virgin that's my son i'm a virgin and the shepherds are like what what are you talking about? You think that's crazy? Shepherds or angels come to you in the middle of the night? An angel came to me not many months ago, nine to be exact, and said, you're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to call his name Jesus. And, and I said to the angel, I'm a virgin. How can this be? And, and the angel just told me, I just trusted in God, and, and this has come to be. And you can almost picture Joseph on the side of the couch going, an angel came to you? Because an angel came to me. See, not many months ago, Mary, after I found out you were pregnant, I had decided in my heart to divorce you quietly. I didn't want to shame you, but this was not a good thing. My betrothed one was pregnant, and we have not consummated our marriage. So that says something about you, if you know what I'm saying. And I didn't want to be a part of that. So I'd set it in my heart to divorce you, just quietly and push you aside. But an angel came to me. And said that the, 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 the baby that's inside of Mary, your betrothed, is from God. And she's going to give birth to a son, calls it, and says she will name him Jesus. So you can picture these stories playing off of each other. You'll never believe what I heard. What? You'll never believe what I, what? You'll never believe what happened. I find that to be an encouraging um, example of what faith-filled living looks like in community. I think it's easy for all of us to have some crazy idea of what God is saying to us or some crazy idea of maybe what God is doing in our lives, right? And we, and we don't really know that to be true, but I'm telling you, when I get with other people and I hear some of the stories of how God has led them and, and guided them and used them, etc., when we come together, I find encouragement in that. Had the shepherds never left the hillside to go see what the angels had spoke of, I don't know if what they did next would have happened. It says that they returned back to where they were, praising God. Again, shepherds not known for their praising of God. They went back praising God for what he had done to them or for them. When they tell the story to Mary and Joseph, verse 17. It says that when, when they had made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child, go back with me to verse 11 real quick. And this is what the angel told them about their son. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. 
that Luke actually records that the angel does not call Jesus by his name Jesus. In fact, he's not even named Jesus till eight days later when he's circumcised. Here, the angel, the messenger of God, speaks of Jesus as what? In a title, a name, truly, but it's a title. He's a savior. In this city, this night, a savior has been born. The message preached all throughout the world is that Jesus is our savior. But the question is, saved from what or for what? What is exactly happening here? This is where, this is where a little backstory is necessary whenever we try to share Jesus with, with friends of ours. Because Jesus did not come to just make their lives better. Stop saying that. I've said it too. <laughs> but we, it's not always true. Jesus comes to save us, not to make our lives better. Can your lives be better? Yes. W was it better for the disciples? Just ask yourself. How to end for Peter? How to end for Luke? How to end for all these other people? I mean, how to end for them? It cost them their lives many times. So for us to go say, Jesus, man, your life's a mess. You, you know what you need? You need some Jesus. And we throw like croutons on their life salad called Jesus that somehow makes it better. <laughs> but it's, that's not what this is. Jesus is, in fact, the Savior. A Savior. See, there's a God who created everything, and he created us. And it was all good, and it was perfect. But at some moment, mankind, Adam and Eve, we read about this in Genesis chapter 3, decided to rebel against God, and sin entered the world. And because of sin, now God has been separated from his people. And now God, in his perfectness, his holiness, and his justiceness, is that a word? His justice, when he looks at sinful people, he, he, we understand that we have to, we are born into iniquity or born into the reality that we're objects of God's wrath, that you and I will all eventually be punished for our sin. That's real popular these days, isn't it? Merry Christmas. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, what? A Savior. A Savior. He has come to save us from the wrath of God that is to come. And he does so by giving his life for us, which I know this is not this story. That's the Easter message. I get that. But had he not been born, he could not give his life for us. Jesus dies on a cross, taking the punishment of God on himself so that you and I could be spared. So Jesus saves us and justifies us back to God. So now our relationship with God can be secure. By faith in believing that story, we are justified to God. So we are justified and saved that way. But God also uses Jesus to save us into the future by sanctifying us. And this is heavy church stuff. But I, if, I can, if I can unpack this, this will be helpful. He doesn't just come to rescue you from the wrath that is to come. He comes to rescue you from yourself. What's this world coming to? How, how on earth can I get anything to change? I'm telling you, man, we look to, to Christmas. We see Jesus, the Savior, born. And we recognize that he has given us an opportunity to overcome sin in the future. So for those of us who seem to be on the, the lather, rinse, repeat cycle of the sin in our life, the same thing over and over again, I mean, who would be honest to admit before God and all these witnesses that you don't live the life that you want to live? 
for the three of us in the room. <laughs> He's rescued us from ourselves. Your anger can be, can be removed from you through Jesus Christ. Your, um, I don't want to pick on a particular sin. I mean, we all have sins, but I'm just trying to, to give you guys hope that Jesus comes to, to sanctify us moving forward. He comes to change our lives. Those things that used to drive us and, and push us to do things that we don't want to do and yet find ourselves doing every weekend or, or every day at work or whatever it is, God has come to, to, to pull those things out of us in Jesus. A Savior has come, saving us from the wrath that is to come and even from ourselves. Verse 18, it says, And all who heard this wondered at what the shepherds had told them. At this point, it almost appears that there's more people in the room, not just Mary and Joseph. Could you, can you imagine being in that room when this took place? Can you, they're, they're wondering what took place? Huh. Is, is there a greater word than wonder we could use right here? This is incredible what took place. But Mary began to treasure up these things and began to ponder them in her heart. I love how Luke just sort of hyper-focuses on another person in the story. Mary's had an incredible journey so far, yes? And she's holding these things in her heart, considering them, wondering what all of them mean. It won't be for, for uh, many years will she fully understand what's actually transpiring today. In fact, I think the Bible tells us that at one point, this is, sounds insane to consider, but... Mary was visited by an angel who said, you'll get pregnant, you'll give birth to a son. She's a virgin. This is a crazy thing. It actually happens. She's visited by shepherds who had an angelic vision. Her, husband's, her husband has had a, uh, an angel visit him. And at some point, she forgets that Jesus is the Messiah. She thought he was crazy at one point. When he's going around teaching and doing all this stuff, she asks him to be quiet. You're, you're causing too much trouble. It's like she forgets this stuff too. But Luke focuses on her. And, and, and I, I love this, that, that um, after she does this, pondering all of this in her heart, the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. I'll just close with this idea here. If, if we could, I, I don't know what this looks like, in the, in the busyness of the Christmas season and all of this stuff, I mean, gosh, there's people out there who still haven't decorated for Christmas yet. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, that poor guy, right? There's, and through all of that, that busyness that's happening, we have to pause and consider this stuff. The Christmas message without this part is, is just celebration. It's wonderful. But without this pausing to consider what a Savior actually means for us, we'll miss it again and again and again. I mean, my, my desire is that people would be awakened to this reality, either for the first time or again. Or again. And that our response in that would be to return praise and glory back to God. That's what I hope to see happen today. It is easy, guys. I don't, 
I feel like I'm beating this up a little bit. I just want, I want, to be, I want us to be encouraged. It is easy to lose ourselves in this season. That's what I'm saying. If we could just stop for a moment and consider what has come into the world and look to Jesus and what God has done for us, it'll change your perspective. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the story. Um, I thank you for angels emptying heaven, coming to earth and preaching the message of salvation through Jesus. I thank you that the story is recorded for us in, in the Bible for us to uh, ponder and to consider every year at this time. Yes, Lord. God, we thank you for our time together. We thank you that, that we are people truly fallen from grace, but you have, you have come in and, and swept us up and saved us. And we thank you for that, God. I just want to just pause and to give praise to you for what you've done in my life and in the life of my family and what you do in the lives of the people here, Lord. I thank you for that. Jesus, can you just hear our adoration and worship towards you? I, I pray you lean in from your heavenly throne and listen to us. Return praise to you today, God. God, I thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for a voice to, to cry out in gratitude. Thank you for a heart that can meditate and ponder these things. Thank you for a mind that can wrestle with some of these thoughts, Lord. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. God, I pray you be with us the rest of our day and that you help us to stay focused upon your son Jesus this Christmas season. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.